Mom. 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 Beth, what? We called your mom. <laughs> Today's Tuesday. Today's Tuesday. <laughs> Um, I talked with Graham today. Oh, you did? I missed a um, video call from her on the grand pad yesterday. Okay. So then I think she, I'm a little confused. I think she tried me back again today and I picked up. But then I was like, wait, maybe that's when I opened my iPad. It was a missed call from yesterday. So either way, I video called her. Marsha was there, picked up, and we chatted for a while on video call. I'm going to go and see her on Friday. I'm going to leave Friday and spend a spend the weekend. Yeah. She was smiling and talking about um, how she loved my performance in The Music Man at Oakwood High School. <laughs> mama. Oh, yeah. wait. No, no. No, not Mama. No. Uh, no. Ulele. I was Ulele because she watched the movie of it on TV the other day. Oh, did she really? Yes. One Grecian urn. Too <laughs> such a good end. one. I've been shot. And a fountain. <laughs> yeah, I have a bunion there that bothers me. Yeah, that was I great. Stud- I, said, I said I studied that movie for the role, and Marsha was saying, yes, that makes sense since I was a kid, so how would I know how to really play the role? That's right. Of, that, of the old battle axe, <laughs> Ulele McKechnie shin. <laughs> you spent a lot of time down in the basement listening to that Watching movie. Watching that tape. Yeah. Over and over and over. And preparing for my debut role. Yeah, yeah, that was your really that was first my debut. Yeah. It was your debut for the musical. That's true. At the high school. Mm-hmm. And Kathy Burris did did the uh, costumes, which were yeah. beautiful. And Jeb was the music man. Harold Hill. Harold Hill. Yes, that Jeb was fun. Was. That was a fun cast. Everything about it was fun. Jeb and I were in love. My first love. Uh-huh. Sometimes I feel like love is like a wine glass, like a full glass of wine, and life is a roller coaster, and you're just like, <laughs> you know, and if you don't drink it all right away, by the end of the you got off the ride, and it's dry as a bone, and your lips are all red. <laughs> wine teeth. Nobody wants to kiss you. You look like a yeah. booze hound. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes I do feel like it's finite. Because you can get real tired of trying to put yourself out there and feel like pour some of your into somebody else's glass. So you've been really re- Have pour- you been reading Glennon? Yeah, I have it right here, Diane. Good. I'm on chapter directions. I just you love it. I want to know the chapter I just finished. I think it's appropriate for the pod. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I read one on boys, her chapter on boys, which I just loved. Well, I'll get there. No spoilers. Yeah, I will. I won't say anything. I started. I um, just think she's so honest and good. Yeah, I liked Love Warrior, her other book, Glennon Doyle. Mm-hmm. My mom sent me Untamed by Glennon Doyle, so I'm starting to read that. Yeah. Um, Did she say anything at the beginning, or did she just write her name? She said, "Dear Beth, I heard your mom is cool as hell." Really? No. I am one of her number one fans on Facebook, though. I got a little ribbon. Congratulations. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Uh, Well, I have been listening to Roy Wood Jr. 
over and over today. Lots of different YouTubes. Yeah. He's very funny, man. I wish he's, I, you know, I, I need to watch him more on um, Daily Show. Yes, he truly is one of my favorite comics when I'm asked. What a great uh, storyteller he is. Yeah, I always list him. He really is one of my favorites. I'm trying to think. Um, I'm trying to think the last time I got to see him was Whiplash in New York after the new, they moved from the new location. UCB used to, it used to be where Whiplash, the show was, which is a very popular 11 p.m. show Wednesday nights in New York City, the oh, Chelsea okay. UCB. And then they moved it, and now I'm trying to remember where that even was. Mm-hmm. But Roy came out, Questlove came out. I think Judd was on the show, Apatow, Roy. And he's just so funny all the time. He is very funny. <laughs> I have enjoyed his stories and and uh, seeing his mom's uh, recipe of the deviled eggs and <laughs> that story. Yeah. We'll have to ask her about that. Because I didn't read that. I think I sent you the article, but I didn't. You read did. It. Um, and it sounds like uh, Joyce used to make them just at Thanksgiving, but now she's gone out of the window of time and makes them a lot if he's going to be home. He can eat a whole I dozen, he said. <laughs> <laughs> I love but it. But there are consequences, of course, of you know eating too many eggs. But anyway. <laughs> what are they? Yeah. Joyce sounds like a very interesting lady. I'm excited to talk to her. Let's get into it. Yeah. Oh, I think Joyce is calling in. Oh, great. Joyce, can you hear us? Yes, sir. Yes, I do. I'm calling you on, on the house phone. So, uh, can you hear me okay? Yeah, yes. honestly, ho- house phone's even better. It's classic. Okay. <laughs> anyway, welcome yeah, to the podcast, I have a home Joyce. phone, too, like a house phone. So not yeah, a cell phone, a home phone. That was not the correct term. I was supposed oh. to say in line. I'm probably oh, only, yeah. Probably the only person in my, uh, in my office suite that has a landline. <laughs> I have one too, Joyce. I just felt yeah. like using the cell. Um, the cell is just so small for me to use in the house. And yeah. then when the storms come and all of the networks are down, the landline is Yes. That's what my kids tell me, too. I feel like I'm the only one I know that has a landline, but this makes me feel better. Yeah, just a landline. Just a landline. Yeah, we love the landline, too. I'm just saying hello. Oh, Oh, my gosh. We get a special visit from Roy. (laughs) Ask my mom anything. She's she's pretty open. No. (laughs) <laughs> I love it. Silver right shit. Ask her about some of that wokey woke shit she she was about. Yes. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> we're pretty She's tame. Like, I'm like, I'm I thought we were going to talk about deviled eggs. <laughs> 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 they have done research, mother. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thanks All right, for popping in, Roy. We're so happy that you even just hear Roy. your voice. Happy Sunday. Cool. Have a good one. Thanks. Bye, Roy. You too. He just wanted to make sure you got off to a good start, Joyce. Well, you know, the the funny thing is that they were here. I don't know whether it was two weeks for the Christmas holidays or three. I can't put it close to three. And not one time did we fix any eggs. Um, oh, was, no. 
the holiday just didn't fall well. You know, yeah. Yeah. I wasn't feeling 100%. And we just didn't have a routine Christmas. We didn't have a formal Christmas dinner. None of it. Yeah, we didn't. It was we a, didn't either. This year was so. Different. It was a very unusual Christmas. I would have to agree. And Joyce, are you in Birmingham? I am. Yeah. Did you grow up there? No. Um, I'm here by default. Um, <laughs> my home state is, is Mississippi, Clarksdale, okay. and um, I kind of got over in Birmingham in that it well, Roy. I lived in New York City for about five years, and so I was making an attempt to go to graduate school, and then I ended up, my intent was to, to go to, to law school at Memphis State, and okay. which was like an hour from my mom's hometown, and I kind of thought that I was going to be able to kind of set up shop there, so I started graduate school in Memphis, and during the time that I was there, Roy's dad came to Birmingham to assist um, a friend of his who was running for mayor um, a second term. And then he had a friend, uh, well, a gentleman who also owned radio stations. So he got here and kind of didn't move back. I Um, see. So we were caught with a household in New York, one in Memphis and in Birmingham. And after a while, you know, the money starts getting a little thin. (laughs) Yes. So that's how I ended up in um, in Birmingham. And growing up in Mississippi, did you have siblings? And did I have what now? Did you have siblings? Uh, I have. There are five of us, and believe it or not, we just lost the first siblings uh, this past year in April. Oh. Uh, due to COVID, but she was caught up in a hospital situation where. We couldn't get to her because you know how they were keeping people from visiting during that COVID yes. period. Yes. So it's very, very hard loss to have not really kind of interact with her. But of yeah, we, I lost my youngest sister. So there, there were girls and a boy. So sorry, so for sorry. That's heartbreaking. Oh, it was and very hard. Me. And so I'm still kind of working through it. But, um, but, but no, I have no, I have no siblings. No relatives in the state of Alabama. I've made a few friends since being here, but no relatives. Uh, my sister would have been the only one left in my hometown. Um, and I have a in brother Clarksdale. in Memphis, a okay. sister in Buffalo, New York, and one in Des Plaines, Illinois. Okay. okay. Everybody kind of all over then. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Different places. Yeah. I'm oh, so sorry. I'm so sorry. Lost. Yeah. We have, I have two older sisters. I'm the youngest and I know um, that I can't imagine what that would be like. So especially during COVID and not being able to see them. So I I wish you well on your journey of um, moving forward. This was like the first death that we've had in our immediate family outside my mom. And so Mm -hmm. it was really hard because you didn't really know what to do. You know what I mean? It was just, Mm -hmm. it was just difficult, but. We met, we're yeah. managing. Yeah, I can understand the, just not knowing what Drawing to do. strength from each other. Yeah. And when you grew up, like, uh, did you go to, like, did you do the regular path of elementary school to high school? Or what was your town growing up like? You know, did you have exposure to the arts or were you into sports? Just curious about what you were like as a little girl. Uh, I don't really remember 
a lot of arts. I can't. I just do. I just know that I was probably in to everything in terms of extracurricular type stuff. You know, yeah. the, the majorettes and and plays and maybe beauty pageants, that type of thing. Wow. But I remember a lot as it relates to the arts. I don't even know if we had that around us other than maybe some um, bands and things that came through. Ike and Tina Turner, Ike is from my hometown, Clarksdale. Oh, wow. (laughs) In high school, every now and then they would come by to, you know, kind of entertain the students. Wow. That's pretty cool. So you remember seeing as a kid Ike and Tina Turner come and perform at your school? Oh, oh yeah, definitely. Oh my gosh, that's oh, wild. That's, ex- that's very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> but that was back in the olden days, though. But yeah, they did for my high school because that was home for them. So whenever they came home off the road, you know, every now and then they would just kind of like hit some of the schools to do something. Wow. Yeah. So you were kind of a renaissance woman. You bounced around, did, you know, majorettes or beauty pageants and stuff. Were you were you guys able, like, because when I grew up, I didn't have cable TV or anything like that. Were there shows that you loved growing up or particular music <laughs> that you loved as a kid in high school? Were there any particular shows? I don't really remember a lot now. Yeah. Uh, I reflect a little bit sometimes. I know that I knew we grew up with uh, Perry Mason because my mom loved that. And I oh, knew, yeah. and we were into those um, those scary shows on Saturday, you know those. Because um, <laughs> I and I remember Charlie Chang. I think that's some mystery. And then I remember Amos and Andy, and of course everybody remembers Andy Griffin and I love Lucy and stuff. So oh, oh yes, yeah. yeah. But I love Lucy even after I left home because when I moved to New York, I didn't have any friends. So I was pretty much, I had to get back into TV in the middle of the day, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you basically, <laughs> like, your goal was go to t- go to New York for grad school. And so, like, I'm a, I'm assuming Clarksdale is somewhat of a small town. So you moving to New York, like, you obviously no, had something I inside of you. I didn't go to New York for grad school. I went to New York. No, I moved to New York for my marriage. Basically, oh. I've been in about seven states. So I started out in Mississippi. I went to undergraduate school in Cleveland, Mississippi. You ever heard of Delta State College or Delta State University? I have heard of Delta State University. They were kind of known for the girls' basketball team a while back. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so basically I graduated from undergrad school in Mississippi. And then from there I met one of my um, bosses. I was working part-time in a pharmacy, and I let them talk me into going to Florida A&M to go to pharmacy school. And I only lasted with that for about, I think I stayed in for two years. And mm-hmm. what I was inching for, you know how you've gone to school, but you're in a hurry to get your own apartment. You want to get your car and get set up. So yes. School <laughs> out, and that's where I met Roy's dad. He came to Florida A&M as a visiting lecturer in the journalism department. And oh. then from there, uh, I married in Florida, and then we moved to New York because that's where his dad was based. So Roy was born in, in Manhattan. He doesn't oh, wow. claim it. I hear him on the road telling everybody he's from Birmingham, Alabama. I just don't even bother to correct it anymore. 
<laughs> just a technicality, a, right? <laughs> he's a New York kid. So that's kind of exciting, like, that you – because it's almost kind of a, out of a movie that you kind of fell for this lecture that came to school, you know? Like, oh, did you go – I never, I never did plan that. I mean, really, what happened was, I stayed in, I shared an apartment complex with one of the one of the instructors who was a part of the journalism program, and I mm-hmm. had gone to hear him speak at one of their uh, Martin Luther King programs, and so he found out that I was one of the professor's neighbors, and then they started trying to, you know, how people try to set you up and that type of thing. <laughs> so, yes. It was a setup. Ah. Wow. This is like making me smile really big. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it. That's a it. very cool story, though, how, you, how yeah. you first met. It is a pretty cool story. Were you kind of taken with him by his lecture and his – because I, I know that he um, was a radio and broadcasting journalism. Um, well, you know, he was basically – it, His voice has a way of engaging you, you know, and then anybody, and he's, he was very, very, uh, he, he really researched a lot. And mm-hmm. so it, it wasn't hard to want to be a part of someone who was having something to say. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. uh, so I don't know. But I think he kind of like rushed me into that thing. Yeah, you I felt kind of like you were young? <laughs> Basically, he was much older than I am. And so I kind of like got capped. Yeah. Well, you know what it was? I think my friends, most of my friends in Florida were married. And I was yeah. like the only one that was kind of single. And you know, here again, people going around trying to match make and get you yes. married. So they think yeah. that that's what it should be. So it was, it was a lot of them setting it, setting it up as well. <laughs> I see. Because, yeah, you were talking, I know he did um, some, he covered the black soldiers in the Vietnam War coming home. And uh, among other things with the civil rights movement. So I, Roy mentioned that a little bit on the call. Um, so he must have been involved in that during that era. So I can understand. Well, you know, um, with me being in Mississippi, you know, you know, the 60s were that period that was really when the movement really was kind of active on college campuses. Yes. And so yes. you've heard me talk about my experiences at Delta State. What you must know is that Delta State was, um, it was, it was sort of a mid-level liberal arts school, and I was a part of a few blacks who were integrating the campus. As a matter of fact, there were eight of us who actually integrated the dormitory. So those experiences were just more than a notion to talk about. And so mm-hmm. I was just involved with a lot of college sit-in type stuff. I see. Wow. That, that must have been very challenging, though. I mean... Here yeah. you are, you know, trying to it was. go to college and, and just, I mean, for anyone going to college, there's so many things to adjust to, but how did you feel about that when you were well, there for that specific purpose to help integrate? Well, I didn't go to college with that intent. I think I I accepted going, uh, if I had it to do all over again, I would mm-hmm. honestly look for uh, what we call the HBCU, predominantly black schools, because I feel like I missed a real college life because mm-hmm. I did find myself having to get caught up into a lot of civic type things that really doesn't go with college. Um, uh-huh. But yeah. I went 
I think I went primarily because, you know, they were looking for, um, they, they it started out in high school. They wanted some of us to integrate schools. I didn't do it during high school because I didn't want to give up my senior year. Um, sure. I think part of going there is that you know that, and then the schools also were looking for um, uh, black students because everybody was trying to deal with affirmative action back then. People were mm -hmm. trying to make sure that they got government funding to show that they had diversity on campus. So I was kind of caught up into all of that, but not realizing. So I really went to college thinking that I could be a normal, regular college student. But right. it didn't work out because the school was still not ready. And mm -hmm. so everything that I tried out for, the drama club, the choir, the cheerleading squad, I couldn't make any of that. And they just didn't let me make it. So the only thing that I had going was just trying to make it academically and, and manage my little friends and that type of thing. But I kept um, flirting with it. You know, um, I, I remember being one of the first blacks to to run for the campus queen and being in beauty contest and those type mm -hmm. of things. It was, it was different. I remember having instructor and I tease my students now because I had a filing class now. We're talking about A, B, C through disease, right? <laughs> yeah. I got, I got a C in my filing class. It hurt me so bad it crushed me. And I oh. went in trying to talk to my professor at age 18 to figure out why was my grade so low. And the lady just looked me in my eyes and she said, um, um, you're from Clarksdale, right? And I said, yes, ma'am. She says, well, I think you are doing great coming from a school in Clarksdale. Basically, she was like, you know, yes. you're a color, so you just get a seat. And so oh, I had wow. issues where I had professors who just didn't even call my name on the roll. So it was a struggle getting out academically, but I was constantly challenging uh, the status quo, and it, it, and so eventually I got out of there, I guess. But oh, then yeah. I was determined that once I graduated, that I would never deem that on anybody because it just takes the it it just totally defines college in a different way. Yes, I can oh, imagine. Joyce. Whereas some people are looking at college as a party or you know a time to you know pursue academics. For you, in some ways, it really was a job and a oh, burden. And, yeah. And while many, you paved the way for so many and we're grateful for honestly your sacrifice and having to sacrifice some of your fun and experience, you know, it's not but you're fair still how you're so treated. young. Yeah. I mean, that's your young person still having to deal with that. I, Joyce, did you stay then at Delta State all four years? I sure did. And I wow. graduated, but I didn't graduate with honors. I had my little 2.3 GPA, and it crushed me because when I got ready to go to grad school, you know, you need at least a three along yeah. with your GRE score. So my struggle thereafter was to just get in graduate school so I could prove to the people that I had the ability to do the work and that my transcript was not a true reflection of my right. ability. So I did manage that. And so that kind of like gave me that recovery that I need. Mm -hmm. 
Good. Uh, good. But, but the one good thing that I could say, um, that the one good thing that I take away from that experience is that among my friends who had gone to predominantly black schools, what I found is that when, when we were ready to come out and be in the real world to work, I had a better adjustment. And, yeah. you know, because I, I had already had dealt with a whole lot of little, little subtle issues and those type of things, so I knew how to manage and handle myself. Whereby yeah. some of my friends, you know, it was just, you know how people take on that little militant attitude and you're going to fight the status quo and you just don't fight every situation mm -hmm. you have to work through. But that, that's the one thing, the good thing that I think that came out of it is that coming out into a world where I had to still work with everybody, it yes. just gave me another level of preparation. Yeah, you had wow. to work 10 times harder to even get ahead. It, obviously, it's infuriating to hear the story about the sea and not, you know, getting into drama or choir or getting the GPA that you actually deserved. Uh, so oh, that's, yeah, it, was, it was interesting. I bet. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> how, how did you manage nice not to be kind of bitter about that? Or, you know, I, 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 I'm just thinking on my own, if that had been what? me and I gave it my all, um, how did you get through that not being bitter about the experience or angry about I the way you were being? I don't know. Cause I guess I just, I never really thought about being bitter. Cause I, like I said, even when I, after I graduated, I made sure um, so that they wouldn't forget me. I made sure that I joined the Alumni Association. I'm a life member. Now, mm -hmm. my, my classmates aren't. They just think that that's the pit. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, well, I never thought about being bitter. The only thing that I was hurt about was my transcript because I had all these D's and C's. Mm -hmm. And grades that I knew that I didn't make. I mean, sure. to give you an example, um, I was the fastest typing. I was a business major. I was the fastest typist in my class. Okay. Okay. And during the time when we were having the sit-ins and they had arrested us and we had gone to jail and they expelled us from school, when I came back to my class, my classmates still had not got to where I was with the speed. Oh, my gosh. And my teacher had the nerves to give me a beat. And so wow. I challenged her, and I do remember her changing the grade, but it was very, very hard. Mm -hmm. And I think it was, it was, a, it was just a, a strange experience, and um, it just comes and goes. And mm -hmm. my, I talked to my friends uh, that we had, you know, that I had in, in, in that were my class, that were my, um, Roommates, and see, that's the other thing. There were eight of us, and so what they did, they only put two of us each in each dorm because oh. they wanted to make sure that we didn't um, mingle with the general population. And so they gave us the private RA rooms for our rooms. So we had private baths. Wow, and nice. So when you look at it now, it was the best of everything because you didn't have to be in those dirty general showers. <laughs> yeah, I remember those. Yeah. But I still went down the hall to shower anyway. And yeah. of course, the dean of students would call me in. She wanted to know why. And I'm saying, well, I was running late for class and my roommate was already in shower. And why can't I shower down there? 
but that's how they that's how they handled us you know they, they we had the best of everything because they didn't want us to mingle with oh, um, the girls. I, you know you know the perfect example of um and i i only look at the help a little now i used to watch the help all the time you remember when the movie help came out i love mm-hmm. that movie yeah, yeah. okay so <clears throat> so the ladies in the help typically remind me of my college um colleagues at that school they mm-hmm. they they actually just just picture them going to college mm-hmm. they expected the blacks even they they sometimes just assume that we were still taking on the role of cleaning up and helping and doing stuff even while they were in college mm-hmm. so wow yeah yeah, that just that just is so admirable that you You're amazing women you. Like you said, it really prepared you for the world outside of college. But you know, you were experiencing experiencing a lot of real world while you were in college. I mean, you really had to learn to deal with yeah. so much. Well, you're well, um, you're amazing, Joyce, for real. You really and I are. can understand why you were saying like, you know, when Roy came or Roy Sr. came and was speaking um, as a lecturer in journalism, you know, I can see why you were attracted to someone who, like you said, was saying something. And I, I can also see why Roy is the way he is. I mean, Roy Jr. is one of my favorite comics. And, you know, he talks about it on his last special um but the 2019 one, no one loves you. But you know he's commenting on protesting and in the marches, and he's making it funny. And you know he's saying something too. So I can see why it runs in the family. Oh, God. Someone yes. like you, because you definitely made a difference, even though that was unfair and difficult what you went through. Well, thank you. Yes, I love that you're <laughs> still on the. I love that you're still on the uh, alumni association. <laughs> <laughs> for you for real that was so fun i know but we have to take a little break okay i don't want to i know but we'll be right back you promise yes okay but joyce what do you do now what you you had a business a business degree and you work in a college administration, right? Uh, yeah, I have I have a business undergrad degree, and I have a master's in counseling, and I have a law degree. And so, but I've been working at this this private college for not. I, I was looking at the calendar the other day. It's been it's been over twenty years, and um, and I got there really kind of by just wanting to change the scope. Uh, I've been at. You know, I've worked at, well, I started out working at LaGuardia Community College in New York. Um, that was the beginning of me uh, going into post-secondary. And mm-hmm. I had been at all um, predominant schools. And I just decided one day that I really wanted to just kind of focus on um, a black school. And I went to Miles, and I've been over there ever since. I didn't intend to stay this long. But you know how every year you keep saying you're going to do this, you're going to do that. So all of my friends now are pretty much retired. And the only thing that they ask me every day is, when are you going to retire? And I keep (laughs) 
uh, you all don't seem to understand there's a difference <laughs> in retiring and stop working. Retirement, <laughs> an extra check coming home to go with your Social Security check. Yes. And so uh, me being in a private school, it didn't give me that same option for retirement without me having to invest outside and personally. And okay. so I'm just about ready to get it done. And and then, you know, I ask myself when I do come home, what am I going to do? Because I don't know anything else to do other than what I've been doing for the last 20 some years. And so I have <laughs> found anything to kind of fill up my time yet and so I'm looking right now to see what that will be I'm not I'm not one who's going to come home and watch television throughout the day and even while we've been working remotely uh, I have all four televisions on during the day they're on mute and pretty much they've probably been on CNN most of the time (laughs) so I'm not a TV person like that, and so I don't know what I'm going to do when I come home. So, but uh, right now, um, I'm closing out as the as a as associate dean in academic affairs, and we've had a lot of movement and changes with um, with um, staff in the last year or so, and so I'm kind of like doubling up as the college's registrar. Oh wow! So my goal Ooh. is that I just listen to students whine and complain about what their problems are every day and that's just what I do. A little bit of a counselor. Well with your counseling degree (laughs) I'm sure that comes in very handy. Well you know that's a lot. You can't counsel this generation. (laughs) I mean like I I have a hard time just trying to have a conversation with Roy about stuff. So you don't You just tell them that, look, this is what you need to do, blah, blah, blah. And they either do it or don't do it. And then when they come back, you remind them, well, you know, I told you this last week. Or I mentioned this last year. And they they have no remorse. None. Wow. It's like, what can you do to get me out of here today? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you sort of, they want sort of like the immediate gratification, you think? Yeah. Oh, definitely. I think that's definitely, it's taken a toll just in general, how our lives have changed and moved online um, to the generation, no matter what. I think that speaks to it. You know, your experience with that makes sense. Yep, you're right. Are students back in person, Joyce, at Miles? Miles, Or did you you say they are learning remotely? Or how's that working right now? Well, it's kind of wish-washy this month, but okay. we did go uh, virtual and remote last spring, you know, when everything happened, mm-hmm. and then in the summer. And so this fall, we thought that we could come back full blast, but it didn't work. And mm-hmm. so what's happening, you had a lot of students that come in from out of state. And so yes. to accommodate them. So we found ourselves still working with on-campus students through the um, remote process. And so that's where we are right now this January. But pretty much the bulk of the um, instruction is being done um, online. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I had heard that about colleges. And I mean, you consider the kids coming in, like you said, from many different states. That is a very difficult situation with dormitories and. Um, oh, yeah. 
Definitely. You know, all the places that students meet and then not to mention the teachers. And um, yeah, I've heard a lot of stories about that. That is a real challenge. Having now, parties, not wearing a mask. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge part of it. Just not listening to any of the rules. So um, brains still developing. I was going to say, so Roy ended up going to Florida A&M and he finished because he sort of wanted to, you know, I don't know, finish his commitment and make you proud. And then he kind of just was like, I don't know if he necessarily wanted to make me proud as much as he wanted to get rid of me. I mean, you know, um, I wanted him to have the black college experience. You know, the the agreement was you we had you, we got five schools on the refrigerator. We're gonna apply to three, and he ended up choosing Florida A and M. I didn't say that he had to go there, but I think he was probably feeling the environment or the connection with his dad. And I haven't been on that campus, but I sure. didn't think. It worked out because I had friends there who could still spy on him for me. <laughs> so I got everything I needed by him there. But he kind of got off into, um, I want to say he was majoring in the, minoring in theater or something. And, and I think he got into that taste of, I don't know. I, I never knew Roy had a stage interest at all because he was basically a quiet, non-talkative person growing up. Really? And so the whole <laughs> career thing just kind of like sent me for a surprise, to be honest. I bet. That's interesting. We always like to ask what, what these stand-ups or actors were like as, as little kids. Did What was Roy like as a little guy? Sounds he like was just a little said, shy. Like a little plain, shy? quiet child. No, no, well, I don't want to say totally nonverbal, but we didn't talk much. I mean, you know, <laughs> my nerves was bad, so he never, we didn't play a lot of loud music, wasn't a lot going on, wasn't no entertainment going on. Oh um, basically quiet. Um, <laughs> you know, when he was a toddler, I didn't buy any noise toys because I couldn't handle <laughs> And then when he was in high school, I was in law school at the time. So we didn't have a lot of Roy's, Roy's school schedule was so long. His day was long. You know, he would leave mm-hmm. for school just before I would leave for work. And then he would get home sometimes after I got home from work or about the same time. So all you could do is eat, do your homework, and it's time to go to bed. Right. Sure. And you're like, Shh, I'm studying. So <laughs> but he didn't have, he didn't have a lot of friends. I, you know, we were in a neighborhood where, he he went to school in, in a different neighborhood from where we lived, so he didn't have neighborhood friends that would just drop in to play. Mm-hmm. And then he had a school live so far away, all you could do is either just talk to them on the phone or see them at school or mm-hmm. meet them at some function or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. But and, and Roy may not admit it, but he 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 was antisocial and anti people. I mean, he was just alone. He just played on the computer. He did his own games. And uh, he didn't even have a graduation party from high school. He said he didn't want it. Yeah. So he was here. And so we just kind of, I don't know what we ate that night, but we were all home. He didn't go anywhere. And then it's really dumb. You know, you know how most kids 
generally like to do something wild and crazy for prom. Yeah. So this girl's dad must have threatened him and scared him that he had to bring her back home. And so I don't know what he and all his friends had done, but they had decided that they wanted, they went in on renting a, I don't know if it was a room at a hotel or a suite or where it was. So here are five guys who have taken their prom dates home, and they're at the hotel playing games. (laughs) (laughs) They they had a plan. Sounds like they had a plan. I don't think he was normal. He wasn't a normal child. (laughs) He was Um, saving up all of his energy. Sometimes I don't know if it was my fault or what, but but I think he contributed to that because he just he didn't ask a lot. He didn't require a lot. So we were just a little mm-hmm. quiet family. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is a peaceful person. Like even when we've done some shows together and he's kind of he he isn't boisterous. He isn't a comic that is like always on or having to get your attention. But when he goes on stage, he really lights it up. You know, he's undeniably funny and definitely oh, one stories. of my favorite comics. So it's like he must have been saving it up for like 18 years just to let her rip. (laughs) You think so? (laughs) Yeah, maybe that was it. But he also has, you know, he's he's funny, he's sharp, and he does have something to say. I feel like it must have been in his blood. He's working on The Daily Show and making a difference in the way that he can there. Um, Yeah. Well, I had idea that company was coming. And, you know, so it, it was totally a surprise to me when all that, started coming out yeah did you ever go to like what was your earliest time that you saw him perform since he kind of was hiding it a little bit he started at 19 he opened well, for tommy davidson all, i didn't know he was doing it at all he probably st- he started doing it around that junior and senior year in school and i should have picked up on it because i saw the grade slipping and then mm-hmm. um what i didn't know was that see his 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 advisor was my friend that was my neighbor that I told you that introduced me to his dad, so you know he was in the, the that department, and okay. so he didn't want to tell Roy, but then whenever I would see him, he was doing the best he could uh to try to let me know I needed to check on it, and what was happening, he was struggling with that eight o'clock class that he had on Monday. I didn't know that Roy was going up and down um, the East Coast on the Greyhound bus doing comedy. And so what was happening is that he would get in so late um, those on Monday mornings, he was missing that 8 o'clock class. Wow. And so it was coming together a little bit, and I was getting angry because I really thought that he was just kind of blowing school and was losing interest. So, yeah, we were struggling that last year, and that's why I had to just put my foot down. But the first time that I was aware was that he had done something locally in Tallahassee, and and he was featured on the weekly entertainment paper on the front page. And so a friend emailed me, and I'm like, Really? <laughs> really? The jig's so I, up. Yes, yeah, so I still have that 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 article. I mean, it was just it just took me back. So we we had to have some of these hard to hard conversations. And yeah. the last conversation that I had with him, uh, I want to say 
that junior year going into senior year was look. Um, I thought I, I, mean, I wanted college for you. I thought you wanted it. I need you to close this out. I don't care what your career is going to be. I don't care what you want to be. I just need you. We, you. We've invested too much to get to this point for you to drop it. And then, of course, I'm dealing with all my friends who got kids who are in and out of school. And I know that once you come out, it's hard to get back in. Yes. So I almost had to, like, give him this ultimatum. It's like, well, if you're not going to school, then you're on your own. And so Mm -hmm. that means no car, no nothing, whatever. And by that time, I had gotten him a car. And so he was so grateful to have that car because it meant that his schedule was really flexible now, you know, where (laughs) before he had to use the bus. Exactly. Wait on those bus times. I had to threaten (laughs) to take all of my items back. And so I think he just made up his mind. He said, you know what? Uh, I told him that once he got his degree, he could do anything he wanted to do so long as he paid his car note, his car insurance, and the school loan. If you can get them three things done, I'm good. So mm-hmm. he finished his last year uh, on the dean's list. And he came nice. in, he threw his degree on the bed. He said he didn't need it. It was mine. <laughs> I, could, I had it framed. <laughs> and as soon as he got his first apartment and he didn't have any any pictures, then he comes to borrow the degree. <laughs> yeah. To put it up on the wall. To put it up oh. on his wall. Yeah. But, you know, yes, we were, I was struggling with it because I didn't know anything but to raise a child to finish college because that's what I was taught that that was the ultimate measure of starting a successful career. And I didn't know about people who are earning lots of money in entertainment who may not have a career. And, of course, I would just myself a little bit, but that was all I knew at the time. And so I was just feeling like, you know, this is your last chance. You know, I'm struggling to try to get you through this. We need to close it out. And so once he got it done, um, I was good, and the rest really has been history. He's been able to hold his own. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, I tease him now um, because, you know, people ask me, well, well, when did you first realize Roy was successful? And I'm like, I really don't define success like that. So, mm-hmm. And then I feel that when you start saying things like, I, I, well, I feel like it's kind of vain to mm-hmm. compliment yourself anyway. And so mm-hmm. I just say that, you know, whatever, if that's his career, that's what he's doing, that's how he's making a living, I'm okay. Um, and then when I was asked that again, I started thinking about it. I said, well, you know what? Maybe he is successful because he makes far more money than I do. you'll know he's successful when he buys you a car in return (laughs) now now i can turn this thing around i should be able to be the one to ask for an allowance now (laughs) there you go we support this we support this (laughs) allowance from roy that's a very a very valuable conversation though that you had with your son I yeah, would very- feel that way too, Joyce. I would feel like, you know, this is this is taking a lot on my part to get you through college, and this is what I would expect you to do. But you didn't have all the information either until 
the cover on the magazine. Um, the paper. On the paper, but that was a real turning point, it sounds like, for both of you. You had more well, understanding. It was and, for me because yeah. I was just, you know, you know, I was just kind of, I, I mean, I just needed to get that burden, that burden off of me. And, yeah. and, and even still, and even, even with him doing it, it still bothered me because Roy was just traveling so openly, you know, on the mm-hmm. road. Yeah. And that still too is not a good feeling. No, we're not, you know, we, we're not back in the sixties with me being in school, but it's still a big fear for any black mom who has a son. I mean, at any point, you just worry if something simple will turn into something big. Yeah. And so now that he, I heard him say something one day about, uh, well, you know, at least I've made it for a decade as a black male, so that should count for something. And I'm saying, yeah, right. Now you come in with a four-year-old toddler. And I yep. got to start this worry all over again. Oh, so. Yeah. So I just try not to think about it. I try to think, you know, positive, but it is a worry. It is I mean, a reality. Have, you see how quickly things, you know, shift and change, and it's especially really, really... now that it's yeah, I can I can only imagine. Um, the fear is very valid because we're seeing more of it now. It was always happening, but yes, we're seeing things escalate um, in such a crazy fashion it seems unfathomable so your fears are rational it makes sense but i'm i'm on board with his comedy um he seems to love it he likes writing he likes doing it and so i just kind of just let it go you support he's very good at it have you been to any of his tapings like like either no one loves you or father figure or any of that did you, you get to go have witness? I been to any of his shows? Yeah, like, did you get to go to any of his special tapings? Yeah, I, got to, I got to go to both of them. Um, oh, good. It was, but it's really kind of funny, though, because it's, I, I, I really don't get to hear his stuff until I listen to it later or by myself. Because whenever I'm at his shows, I'm really not comfortable. I'm sitting. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I get it. I think I get it a little bit. I, you know, I'm trying, I mean, I can't, well, first of all, I'm slow catching jokes and punchlines. Anyway. <laughs> I, I, I will always make sure I have me a Long Island tea so I can, like, be relaxed. Yeah. <laughs> the problem is, I don't, I'm worried about whether the people around me are enjoying him or, or and so I spend my time trying to feel people around me. Does that make any sense? Yes. yes. Kind of scoping uh, it out. Scope out the audience. Yeah, I'd be feeling yeah. the audience in the soul because like yeah. I think at the one that he did in Chicago, I might have been sitting around somebody that they weren't laughing at some stuff. And I'm sure. like, oh my God, like, you know, what is he going to do? Is, uh, is he going to bring them around? And then mm-hmm. I really should have not even got caught up in that, but it, I don't always, I'm sort of like a an internal um, laughing person. I'm not one of the people that may have to laugh out all real loud. Mm-hmm. I can just kind of sit there and just kind of do my own little, my own little <laughs> laugh, and and I'm I'm good. Yeah. yeah. 
But that's my problem. When I do go to his shows, I don't find myself relaxed. Uh, I'm constantly wondering what the people around me are thinking. Are they going to laugh? And if you let, in, in the early days, oh, I used to critique him so badly because Roy would always have on something weird, uh, in politics. <laughs> and when so, he was on television, I thought I was going to die because <laughs> he would always be going to these places, getting off the plane, would not have packed properly. And he used to run in stores grabbing something to put on. And so he, he was a long, his size is a long arm. And so <laughs> well, to be altered, okay? So he came running to uh, Kmart and grab a jacket. And so he was on Fallon or somebody one night. Yeah. And that, um, and that jacket was up his, his, uh, his wrist. And I thought I was going to die. <laughs> a little three, a little three fourths length, showing a little too much wrist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> too much yeah. risk, a little risque. Yeah. And and so he tends to think that everybody is into what he's his his his, his comedy. And I try to tell him that part of being on stage is the first thing people do is size you down to see what you look like, what you're wearing. Mm-hmm. And if you fit the occasion, and yep. sometimes that's almost eighty percent of it. Because if you get if you turn them off some kind of way, they may listen to you. They may not listen to you. And I keep trying to tell him that talent is eighty percent presentation, and then the other twenty is the talent. Yeah, but I love it. It's, you just you just can't help be be a mother though, Troy. You're just a mother. It's a mother <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah, I was up up close and personal one night, too close to the stage, and I could see he had polished his shoes. I thought I was going to (laughs) die. It worked. (laughs) It worked. All the hard work finally paid off. Exactly. Well, I think we found the um, what you're going to do in your retirement. It's the Long Island Iced Tea podcast with Joyce. Well, you know what? I'm going to have to perfect it because now that's one thing I don't do. I don't fix mixed drinks and stuff at home. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'll mix something with some eggnog or a bur. I'm a brown person, but I'm ha- I haven't been drinking much of anything in the last couple of years because, you know, with me being home and working all day, I've been so tired. I didn't need yep. anything, but yeah. I've been like sipping wine and a beer here and there. But That's I love like Long Island teas when I'm out. But it's yeah, you know, so the, the big thing. Finding the the best place where they when they mix them well and you can brag on that place. <laughs> My sister and I were talking about it um, this week because I had a birthday. Oh, and, happy and birthday! I, I love, thank you, and I love mm. T-bone steak, and so that's the ideal meal: the steak and Long Island tea. And so the restaurants here are not back up at full um, capacity. And so okay. they were trying to tell me that they're not mixing any drinks. Well, first of all, I hadn't gone out anyway because I'm quarantined. And I was yeah. trying to figure out how to handle the delivery and the pickup. And so <laughs> so they're not doing a lot of alcohol and stuff here in Alabama right now. Okay. Cool. What's in a Long Island tea, Joyce? I'm curious. 
<laughs> the joke is really on me. I haven't been drinking much of anything lately anyway, so if I drank one, it'd probably take me on out for the night. <laughs> you know but what? A good day with my sisters, we could talk and laugh and have a yeah. good time. Yeah. Aww. You know, it's true, though, because it is hard to get a drink. One time, even before the before the quarantine, before the pandemic, my mom mm-hmm. and I went to go to Chipotle, and my mom tried to order a margarita to go, and they said, oh, ma'am, we can't do oh, that. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> now, it's a little embarrassing. My hey, but- in Illinois, they are so, I don't know what the laws are doing there, but I think they're, they're, the restaurants are trying to recover so so badly. Yes, yes. They actually can take drinks. They do to to take out drinks. Yeah, I bet. Joyce, they're doing that here in Ohio. There's a taco place, a really great taco place, and you Mm -hmm. can get margaritas in a little uh, bottle. I mean, they're trying to sell everything. They're like, we'll sell you the bottle. We'll sell you the store. Do you want to buy the location? We need you to buy everything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Governor DeWine was the one that put the okay on that, that you could get, you know, Drinks to go. Well, a Long Island iced tea is vodka, tequila, light rum, triple sec gin, and a splash of cola, which gives it the, the sort of amber oh. hue of an iced tea. Listen, there's no way in the world I'm going to have all those different kind of liquors in this house just to try to make one drink. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Right. It's like it when you're trying to cook for out. yourself. Yeah, it's like you have to buy like all those bottles, like you said, yeah. just for the one drink or two drinks a, a month or whatever you're doing. It's like, that's why, that's my same excuse for why I don't cook for myself. I'm like, well, I can't buy a whole head of lettuce. It's just me. (laughs) Oh, dear. That's that's funny. Well, Well, we wish you all of, I'm going to, I'm going to find a way to send you a Long Island iced tea, Joyce. Oh, my God. Just to thank you for coming on our podcast. Where are you guys? I'm in Los Angeles. I've been in LA for the quarantine. I miss my family and mom. I'm in Ohio. I'm in Dayton, Ohio, Joyce. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, Beth, yes. do you ever come anywhere close to? Uh, do you ever come anywhere close here t- in terms of performance? You know what? I did come to Birmingham. I performed at the um, record. Uh, you know, I didn't do Stardom. It was a little record shop in Birmingham. Okay. Um, let me think of what it was called. It was something like a Seasick Records. Oh. And it was just a small little show. Well, if you ever so. do, let me know. Even if you come as close as Nashville or something. Yeah, you I know. totally will. I've done Nashville Zanies. Uh, but yeah, we were East, or Seasick is like East East Avondale. But I will come but back and I will let you know. If you came as close as Nashville, let me know. I will. I totally but will. You got, you got Nashville that's about three hours from me in Atlanta. I don't like driving in Atlanta, but I will go and just have to spend the night because uh, it's just such a big place for me. Yeah. But, yeah, um, you got to get a good night's rest before you drive back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love, sleep sleep off that Long Island iced tea. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but I would love to come to one of your shows. Yeah, I would love that. And thank you for, like, coming on our podcast. Thanks for everything you did, you know, when you were a young oh, kid. Gosh. You're amazing, and uh, thanks for raising I have a lot Lord. of admiration for you, Joyce. Unbelievable. Yeah, you really are amazing. Yeah. Well, I didn't intend to get into no sad story about the sixes. I really didn't. I don't even know how we slipped into that. You know that. what? You know yeah, what, but Roy? it's a triumphant story. I think it's a triumphant story. It speaks so much to your character and 
uh, the way you've raised your son and just the way you view the world. I, I am really uplifted by that, how positive yeah. you have been. And thanks for sharing it. Yes, well, really appreciate that. <laughs> this well, was fun. Well, okay. Thank you. Oh, of course. Yeah. Well, have well, a good rest good of the care. evening. Okay. Yeah, we'll talk to you later. I'll be in All touch right. and let you know if I come visit. All right. Thank Joyce. you, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. What a great call with Joyce. Boy, she is a real inspiration. I am so inspired by her. Yeah, I am too. You know, it's hard, obviously, as white people, like, to hear it, uh, of what she had to go through. She's over there working 10 times harder in college, not getting what she deserved. And it would be easy to just give up. You know, but she went and fought for her grades. And that, that was is what I'm most impressed with. It'd be very easy. This is what I mean, too. You know, you go off to college and it's hard. You're away from your family. You're you're learning all kinds of things about other people. But the fact that she stayed, she didn't drop out. She didn't, you know, say, I want to go someplace else or she stuck it out. Yeah. And, and I love the Alumni can... Association uh, tag <laughs> as well. <laughs> She's I like, like oh. that. I'm going to stick around. You're not getting rid of me. You're not getting rid of me. But to yeah. be, you know, treated um, so unfairly. Um, yeah. It's hard to take it all in. It really is. But, you know, her, so Roy Wood Sr., like he was a, a journalism pioneer. He covered mm-hmm. the civil rights movement and the racism, like we said, that the black soldiers encountered from the Vietnam War. And wow. we see Roy in his specials. Um, live, he did he taped in Chicago in 2019, No One Loves You. He discusses um, it in his own way, in his humorous way, mm-hmm. what he experiences as a black man. And he has very funny takes on the protests and marching. I recommend people listen to that album. It's on Spotify or iTunes. Mm-hmm. And and same with Father Figure, which is, his, he filmed that in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And the only other thing I wanted to mention too was, you know, she brought up the help and that the the movie the help which yes. when you and I watched it like we remember being so moved by it, obviously the actresses and the story yes but I wanted to add mom because I know you still love it but um there have been just some ideas around that like that the help has been trending on Netflix throughout the Black Lives Matter movement and that they're saying is actually the kind of the worst type of movie that Americans could be watching because it is sort of like a white savior tale so I just wanted to share that with you because like sometimes we don't examine it because of our yeah. perspective and it was but written by I a white man at, and directed by a white so, woman but yeah. that's what that's why it's sort of it is problematic and i just wanted to share I that see. with I listeners that. and with you and yeah yeah but um i can see why she mentioned what she did about sort of some of her friends almost going into that role oh, yeah. like she said yeah. of cleaning up or yeah Anyway, it's that uh, interesting narrative I wanted to point out that has been... Yeah, I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. But honestly, I just have to say for myself, when I saw that movie, and we again, we were so touched by it, to me, that the heroes of that story were those women, those mm-hmm. strong, strong women. Yeah. And I, I, know, I know what you're saying. That uh, Yeah, they're kind of saying, like, the issue would be that it was in the past and that things changed and yet we're like, you mean like the character not, of Skeeter getting their story, writing their story down. Yeah. Well, the intentions they're saying the intentions of people who praise the movie are well-meaning, but the, the opinions are uninformed and, and damaging. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 
But well, there's an article. Uh, there's a couple articles about it if people want to learn more. Um, there's one on Insider and Deadline and. I pulled up a quote from the Insider article, and they asked writer and podcast host Rebecca Theodore Vachon. She said, even as a fictional story, it was ahistorical in how it robbed Black people of their autonomy. Because in the South in the 1960s, the Black community was very active in mobilizing the civil rights movement. And in the help, they erased that to center a plucky white college student like Skeeter. But yeah. Well, Joyce is a real inspiration. I'm so glad we had a chance to talk with her. Um, yes, me too. And helps to navigate Roy's, the world. Yeah, Roy has um, just like I got my special filmed in the nick of time before things shut down. He filmed a show called Jefferson County Probation. Um, so just I before, look forward to that. Yeah. Okay. Good. good. And his appearances on the Daily Show as a correspondent. Yeah. So. Yeah, I can see where he would work really well with Trevor Noah. Yeah, you know, he's spent, you know, they're both such, I don't know, really smart men and so clever and help you see an angle that maybe you didn't consider before um, Yeah, in such a unique way. Yeah. Well, Definitely. this was really wonderful. Yes. I feel really privileged to talk with her. Yeah. Thank you for everybody for listening. Yes. And, um. Good night, good morning, sweet dreams. Take care. Adios. Love you. I think that's a pretty one. You do that one really nicely. Oh my god. It's so stressful. Oh my god.